folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 229. Glad you could join us. We got a good lineup of topics, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the bottom of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. Um, I'm a co-host here on the show, and uh, I made it back. Where were you? Just busy. Just busy? Is there a reason you've changed your uh, mumble name from admin to Zellyfish? Um, there, there is. I'm not. I'm not at home. So that the admin account is is kind of like I would have to like have the password for it handy. So. But you you decided to go with Zellyfish. Don't, don't. <laughs> like there's there's no reason there other than you chose to do it. But it's cute. I I subject myself to humiliation <laughs> on a regular basis. Okay, fair enough. All right, Livy, you're up. I technically think you were next. Um, <laughs> I'm Livy, um, also a co-host here and partner in crime for Project Nova stuff and uh, Dungeon Crawl with Pokey. Good stuff. All right, Jay, you are up. What's up, brother? Uh, I am the, the resident Destiny 2 addict uh, on the podcast, and my name is Jason, and I also play a few games and do a few things. Uh, so I am also slowly warming up to the Project Nova hype. When I say slowly, I'm talking like glacial slow. But uh, I- I'm kind of withholding some serious judgment until our uh, our vaunted away team gets back from E-Vegas, which is coming up here pretty soon. All right, good stuff. And I am Pokey Draven. I obviously helped do the show here. And like Libby said, uh, kind of being the front runner for a lot of the YouTube stuff for Project Nova. So we've actually gotten a, a couple of videos that are going to be coming out this week in prep for E-Vegas starting on the, well, this Friday. So keep your eyes out. We'll, we'll have stuff uh, coming up, but we'll uh, talk about that in a bit. So getting started with some topics, Zell was actually very helpful this week and put a ton of stuff in the movies and entertainment section of the show notes. So we're going to make him talk for the next like 45 minutes. So Zell. I support that entirely because he didn't say shit for the last six months of the podcast. That's that's why we're going to make him do it. So Zell, you went and saw the movie Venom. What did you think of it? Um, So uh, we did go see Venom and um, I thought it was pretty good. It was... um, I mean, like, you're not getting, you know, you're not looking at an award-winning presentation here. It's it's pretty pretty straightforward, but um, it is uh, it was funny. It it was it was it was very funny. I liked the characters. I didn't realize that. Um, I guess Tom Hardy. I think he voiced both. Like, I guess he also voiced Venom through a through a audio filter. Um, so. And and it was just it was it was amusing and and it was it was a fun film to go see and I saw it on uh, on opening nights there was actually uh, there was actually a good amount of applause when the movie ended. <laughs> okay, so a couple questions there. Was it supposed to be funny or was it just bad funny? I, no, it, they were they were definitely they were they were uh, you know kind of the jokes that they threw in there that that were were pretty good. Because this this film's gotten pretty pretty mixed reviews. Um, have you been tracking any of the reviews coming out? Yeah, and I, I've uh, I've I've read a few of the the negative takes on it as well. Um, and you know, it, it it is what it is. We enjoyed it. Do you think those reviews have been fair to the criticisms criticisms they have for the the film? Probably. I don't. I I mean, it's not an amazing film, but it is fun. It's, yeah. it, it was worth seeing. I enjoyed it. That's, that's kind of the vibe I was getting. I mean, I, I didn't see it, but just from the reviews, kind of it's a don't expect to have your socks blown off by it, but it's it's enjoyable in its own right. Um, kind of a, a cult classic of people been kind of putting it like it's not great, but it's good if you like that sort of thing and you'll enjoy, you know, more of it. Do you think they'll they'll go with a sequel? I mean, they definitely set up for one, but so did Green Lantern. <laughs> uh, well, I, mean, I, I, will, I will say this. If you look at their box office numbers, they're... For a movie that's that's getting, you know, I mean, let, let's be frank, kind of pretty lukewarm reviews. It's doing fairly well in the box office right now. Uh, so I, I would say that right now they are probably more likely than not to have a sequel. Uh, just purely based on those numbers alone. And Frank, you know, and if they, if they could make the movie, they'd make a part two that was just simply better. Like, like literally just, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in Venom. Like if I like 
actually caught it. It, it was. I, I'm kind of with Zell on this. It's not. It is not good, but it is not bad either. And I and I do think that there's enough to work with for a sequel. Tom Hardy's generally pretty good at anything, uh, but I, I don't know. That's just a quick take I, on it. I will say that he like every every line is Eddie Brock is basically whimpered rather than said. Yeah, I would agree with that. The uh, I, I was kind of I, I was kind of hoping that they would take a different take on. Um, on Venom or correction, Eddie Brock, but kind of is what it is. Uh, they, they did a good job of being very non-committal to being tied to anything else remotely related related to uh, anything in the in an a a Marvel universe. Not not necessarily just the MCU, but in any Marvel sense. Um, they left a couple a couple hooks here and there, but I, I don't know. Like I said, I think there's enough there that they can work with, but they would need to kind of you know in, increase the increase the uh, uh, the amplitude a little bit, and I, I do expect them to at least like cameo Spider Man. They didn't even they did they they did not even touch the, the franchise at all. They're just like this is its own separate, you know. Hey, Zell, let me ask you a question. If if you do you think that if the the studio was really strong on Venom, that they would have figured out a way to get more spider-man hooks in there or more marvel hooks yeah well i i I definitely think they were you know because this is they've got their deal with with marvel to do have spider-man as part of the mcu while they're still co-producing so i think they're very iffy on touching that right now because if you know like one of the things i thought was um really uh distinct is that uh you know they they always have like for the the proper marvel studios movies they have like a 30 second you know marvel thing at the beginning and then the the secondary movies often have like a brief little marvel logo they actually had kind of distanced themselves even further from this one whereas they had big giant letters on the marvel logo in association with they had you know whereas previously marvel just had their logo on it now they're like well you know yeah i guess we're associated with it yeah i think my my take on that one is uh, if everybody liked that if if people were had more confidence in that movie, they would have figured out a way to get Tom Holland in it, or said the word Spider Man somewhere in the movie. Oh, you know, they they would have had something, some kind of stronger link if people thought the movie was stronger before it came out. Because uh, there was a lot of reports of Tom Holland being on set for a couple three days, and that could have been you know drive by kind of thing. But that was a, a fairly well reported activity. So I was kind of still still waiting to see that, but it makes me wonder if. They sort of kept that one under wraps, uh, just pending to see how well, uh, see what they thought the movie was going to end up being like. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers here for how well it did. It looks like the estimated uh, revenue to date domestic is 142 million, with foreign at 235 million, and they only had a million, hundred million dollar budget. So they've actually made a ton of money on this. So yeah, I mean, if if it's you know, not a bad movie, and they're they're making these kind of numbers. I could see them going for a second one too. And, and I guess this was a um, uh, a, a record for an October box office weekend. Yes, I think Gravity was the former uh, top. It, like, it, it wasn't even close um, for that that particular time block. So it, it did very well for for that weekend. Is there anything it was really competing with? I'm not, I'm not even. I'm barely tracking what's in the movies right now, but I don't. I don't think it had a lot of stiff competition either. This is not a not a stiff competition season. So let me take a look real quick here. Yeah, there's nothing that came out that weekend that's comparable in scale to this. So, I mean, yeah, it it, it was alone, but uh, compared to other October fifth releases or that that weekend, um, it, it still did quite well. Okay, so moving along from that, we do have a extended trailer for Aquaman. You post the cell. Um, I, I have to say, the first one, the first trailer, the, the shorter version, he makes a joke, um, and it makes absolutely no sense when you see it. But this one, it actually explains it now. Um, so it's terrible editing on the first one. What did you guys think of this extended version of the the uh, trailer? This is this is no joke on the fact that it's extended either. It's a five minute trailer, um, but yeah, no, it it looked really good. I I mean, have some some hope, some some hope. I never saw um, Justice League. How was he in Justice League? Um, 
Well, it's it's Jason Momoa, and he, he really doesn't he he has a like a general demeanor, and, just and it, it doesn't change. Like, okay, well, I've seen, you know, five or four seasons of uh, Stargate, and who knows how much of whatever Game of Thrones and everything else he's, he's the same person. So I think he's well, one He looked like he was the only person in that movie having fun being in the movie for in Justice League. Yep, I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the trailer was actually pretty good. Actually, definitely, they're definitely pushing more towards the um, the Wonder Woman side of the the spectrum for the DC movies. Uh, Wonder Woman's was that I thought that was a fantastic movie. I thought it was really good. Definitely the strongest one so far. And they're really trying to, I think, shift away from the Zack Snyder like mopey emo verse that they had going on. And uh, it. I saw enough in the trailer, and like in Zell's right, it's trailers. Trailers probably not the right word, but but uh, it's like it's like you know five percent of the movie or something like that. Yeah, but. it's it's a pretty good chunk of the movie, but they're also very quick to point out there was there was as I you would expect that they would. There's oh, there's a lot we haven't shown yet either. But what I saw was actually really good uh, from a visual and tone standpoint. They are capturing a lot of very classical comic book tones. Uh, the fact that he's got the green and yellow suit, which and not some you know kind of crazy crab gladiator armor looking stuff like when they first showed him, uh, they're they're kind of going going all in on you know bright colors, things happening in daylight, you know all that kind of good stuff. I think it I think it will work. Um, and the take and, and Zell's not wrong by the way in terms of how Jason Momoa is. I, I would agree with him, but. There's a lot of actors that, frankly, just play themselves. I, w- I would reference you anything from The Rock, Bruce Willis, you know, like a- any number of you know action slash you know sci-fi movie people that, that right. people you cast, like or you not, cast, they tend to play themselves. Right, and when people are casting them, they're casting that really that that personality and that, that type of demeanor. Yeah, and and that's that's spot on, and I think for some of the more modern takes on Aquaman, Jason Momoa is a pretty good, it's a pretty good, pretty good stab at it. Um, if you were to have pinned me down on who I thought could have been Aquaman before they start talking about Jason Momoa, I've actually said, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, the guy that was in true blood, he's, you know, Tarzan, stuff like that. And that's more of the classic sort of, you know, blonde haired Viking looking sort of Atlantean King kind of guy. But, I like Jason Momoa. He's he's a fun actor. He's pretty good. Uh, I actually thought he would be a better Lobo in DC Universe, but he, you know, he did pretty well in Justice League. So I, I liked it. Like I said, tonally, it looked good. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty sharp looking. Uh, Black Manta looked pretty good. Uh, the underwater stuff did not look cheesy. Uh, so I'm 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 definitely I would not even say cautiously optimistic. I think this is actually going to turn out to be pretty solid. I would say it gave me a little bit of a Thorish vibe in terms of how the movie just yeah, looks. That's a really good take. That's a good take. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, sounds good. No, I, I think it's it's got potential there, and I I like Jason Momoa. I've been watching him since Stargate, like uh, Zell said. So hey, and you're um, right. He is the same character everywhere. Wow, did you see that? So so Jay, you mentioned um, uh, Lobo. Are they still working on that? By the way. Uh, well, they're, he's going to make an appearance in Supergirl, uh, and I, I think they actually cast him. The issue is that I, I you know, th- there's been a couple different renditions of Lobo. Uh, so in terms of a new a movie, they they keep talking about it, but I I don't know. I'd have to do a little bit of research on it, but I, I am pretty confident that he's supposed to make an appearance on Supergirl, though. But I don't think they picked a. Um, if I remember right, the guy they cast, it's. Uh, they're they're kind of selecting one of the versions of Lobo that was sort of the uh, more like less cartoonish looking because I mean Lobo in most of the comics is literally looks like a gigantic white skinned biker with glowing red eyes that flies through space on a space hog. Um, where and I think they're picking a much more quote unquote normal looking dude. Uh, so he'll probably look like an extra from Sons of Anarchy with with some space vibes. Probably not a great, not a great take on it. Uh, but Supergirl's done some pretty good work so far with bringing in a variety of DC characters. So, what do you guys think the uh, future of DC films is looking like? You think it's going to get better, or just have a few good outliers? What do you guys yeah, think? Here's the thing: 
the only place the only place they can go is up. <laughs> well, that's probably not, not too wrong of a statement. I think they have absolutely figured out that whatever Zack Snyder was trying to do was not working. Yeah, uh, that I think fair. is pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, so, to that point, I think that I think they're going to try to re- recap on some things. The problem they're running into is, you know, they 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 kind of swung for the fences with Batman and Superman early, and mangled it. So, what do you you know like what are you going to do? How do you how do you bring those characters back in? I mean, they pretty I, th- I believe they've lost Henry Cavill. I think that's for sure. I don't, at least that, that was my impression. And they've Ben Affleck's been kind of waffling on how much he's going to get and stay with it. Been yeah, I mean, for for a long time too. I mean, I I actually thought Ben Affleck did a, a pretty solid job. Um, I had some had some problems with the take on the the, the original take on ba- on Batman. They did like I'm absolutely at, like 100 percent against uh, the idea of a Batman that kills people. Like Batman machine gunning anybody is literally as far from that character as you could possibly get. The um, that being said, I, I thought Affleck was pretty solid. Um, I could see why he'd want to step away, though, just a variety of things. But they, they would leave a, they could easily replace him with someone like Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, bring him in as like Dick Grayson, you know, or something like that, and take over the mantle of Batman. I mean, there, there'd be a lot of ways to do that in, in a way that would kind of make sense. I think what stings, though, is Henry Cavill leaving. That stings more than Batman. And correction, Ben Affleck. Henry Cavill was, I thought, a pretty good Superman. I mean, physically spot on, looked the part. He's a pretty solid actor. I mean, he's a good actor, actually. He's not even solid. He's a good actor. He was good in, in pretty much everything he did, but they didn't. They never actually gave him a lot to work with, uh, and I think he made the most of what he had to work with. I mean, he, that, that's, the, that's the one that stings is Henry Cavill not, not going to be the super, not being Superman. Um, they could have figured out a ways to, to reintroduce a lot of other things that would have kind of brought the DC universe back together. Uh, cause they, they clearly had some pieces that, that could work and, and would work. But I, I just think they mangled things so bad that they're, they're absolutely playing catch up. And frankly, yeah. I don't, I don't think the fat, the flash thing is going to get off the ground. I, I just, I don't see that happening. I liked both their castings. I, I and, I, I really did like actually like everything that Ben Affleck did do as Batman. It's just it's the writing. They weren't given the material to the you know to really do it right. Um, and it, like the big thing with Flash is, and I'm sure they know this is they've like the TV show is huge. Like that's it's really good. Grant Gustin is really good. Like, Hire him. Like any time that they're hoping because. That's the thing is they're effectively competing with themselves and good luck with that. You know, the crazy part is, is look at like the DC TV TV universe is, is killing it consistently. They put out, you know, over the years, pretty solid entertainment. Like if, if they, if they plucked out of the, the greater WB sort of DC universe, the elements of Supergirl, uh, they did Martian Manhunter really, really well on that show. That's, that's I would have never thought you'd saw that on TV. They they could clearly pull you know Stephen Amell up as Green Arrow. I mean, like, you're not going to find anybody probably that can play Green Arrow better than Stephen Amell. And you got a, a baked in fan base. Grant Gustin, he's yeah, you're he's good. He is you're good you're getting more and more muffled the longer you're talking right now. Just FYI. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> um, I, I was actually, I was hesitant to speak up because I broke my headset, um, in transit here and I have it duct taped back together. And so I wasn't a hundred percent sure it wasn't just my audio going. Um, and, and, no, it's but, probably my horrible signal right now, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good. And then the, uh, the other thing is they keep expanding to it. They haven't, uh, they haven't really directly tied black lightning yet, but they've referenced the others, the other characters in black lightning. And then. They're um, they're doing a Batgirl series, I think, starting in 2019. I think like yeah, the, Ruby Rose. I mean, again, yeah, not no, no slouch. And that's uh, I think she's being introduced in the big crossover of the year, um, and then sometime next year she'll start her own series. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that they're if they would ever you know, kind of pull their socks up a little bit and look at all of the properties that they've got running, figure out how to take like a best in breed and bring them together for like a real movie or introduce or tie them together, which they could do fairly easily. Uh, they'd be okay. And I, I think, I think Jake or Christian Zell, to your point, the writing that they've been working with predominantly was generated by Zack Snyder. One of the critical errors, I think if you walk back on, on kind of how the DC universe kind of really unraveled when you compare it to Marvel, the Marvel, the MCU, like they were, they pulled fairly, fairly heavily from well-established and uh, you know, kind of top-tier comic book story arc writers as part of the writing team. Not, not the entire writing team, but they had a lot of people that were pretty, pretty solid on the uh, uh, on the comic book side in terms of like the story writing and the characters, and they did that really, really well. Uh, and, and it was very clear that Zack Snyder just literally like thumbed through a bunch of comics and picked out pictures that he thought were badass and then decided to shoot those. When he, when he did 300, if, if you look at that movie, uh, the live action movie, not the cartoon, the live action movie, it's basically a shot for shot remake of the comic book. And the, the comic book essentially gives you storyboards for every single scene and all they did was take one comic book, basically, and make his whole movie off of that. So that, so his visual style works really well, and, and he doesn't have to go into a lot of great detail with storytelling and weaving a plot together and all this other kind of shit. But when you try to basically take like like three or four fairly major kind of cornerstone stone character arcs and then weave them together in, in a single like two and a half hour movie, that's that's really hard to do. Probably not smart to do either, frankly. No, very good point, Jay. I mean, it's 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 been quite a journey for the DC universe, and you know, you you do hope that they've learned quite a few lessons from their mishaps in the past, and and can move forward with that. Has anybody seen uh, the Teen Titans stuff yet? The first episode yet? No, I did not purchase. It's just the DC streaming only, right? Uh, yeah, I currently, didn't, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, know if you that picked that up. I, I figure I'll probably wait till I have like a little bit of free time and then pick up like one month to cram through a bunch of the exclusive stuff that they've got. Um, or right now, Titans is the only thing. Um, but yeah, I figure I'll wait till I have some more time and there's some stuff I want to watch and I'll just pick up a month and cram through it. They've really been, it's, it's funny because they've really been pushing the annual subscription hard. Like the you know you'll save two months if you you know pay for seventy five bucks up front before you've seen anything that's included. <laughs> well, because people will do you know the thing where they they wait till the end and then they get one month and watch the whole show and then cancel the subscription until something else comes along. Like what I'm gonna do, yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, there's a there's a trailer for their next uh, uh, series that is is going to be exclusive to DC Universe as well uh, that we can put in the show notes. Oh, you talk about the Harley Quinn thing? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what'd you think, Zell? I, I thought it was it was uh, it's a pretty funny little little bit. It's 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 very much like it doesn't really tell you. Um, it doesn't show you what the series is gonna look like, um, except you know that it's it's animated because they're they're talking to you know the viewer really, and and Harley's just like gonna be great and and poison ivy's like no it's gonna be terrible you're gonna hate it and and that's that's mostly like uh, all you get of this and uh i i think they drop a couple swear words to to point out that it's probably not gonna be a kid-friendly cartoon yeah it's basically your uh, inner self every time you decide to watch one of the shows they're like it's gonna be terrible you're like no no i have hope I, I, I do like when Poison Ivy says they're gonna hate it. They hate everything. I'm like, are they a little better? <laughs> and, and when she's like, it's, "We're gonna make a dark and gritty DC thing," and Harley's like, "No, that is a perfectly valid way of writing." <laughs> like they're getting a little self-aware with it. I I thought it was pretty funny. Um, it's not gonna get me to subscribe, but I thought the the little bit they did was was it, it made me laugh. What do you think, Jay? Or Lydia, for that matter? Yeah, I don't know. I, I know I'm not going to watch it if I'm given a chance to watch it without like subscribing. I mean, it's a fantasy land, maybe, but I don't know. 
It looks funny, but it's not my it's not my thing I'd go to. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was talking and muted. That's that's a thing. Um, I I don't know. I'm I'm just not that into. I, I I don't quite understand the rise of Harley Quinn as a that popular of a character. Uh, it, you particularly when you look at where that character came from and and sort of the like the messages around it. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm just not that into it. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, they're obviously, they literally reference Deadpool in their very Deadpool-like trailer. So, you know, it's it's pretty tongue-in-cheek. They're, they're going to try to have fun with it. We'll, we'll see. You know, if it's stellar reviews, I'm sure I'll find some way to, to take a look at it. But it's not something I'm going to go out of my way to, to hunt down and, um, and certainly subscribe to uh, their service for. I've got enough of those. So we'll, we'll probably pass for now on that one. I mean, so, I, I will say I appreciate that I feel like they've, they've actually put in for like, you know, it's like I, I subscribed to uh, CBS All Access to get Star Trek Discovery. And as of yet, there's there's one thing I can subscribe for. And it, it does seem like that they've at least got the idea right for this, that they need to provide like a lot of content to justify a subscription just for them, you know? So. I, I was under the impression we're going to pull all of, a lot of their stuff from Netflix and but at least that's what I thought. Like pretty much anything that you know currently that's on Netflix or that had come or previously come through WB or anything like that, I thought they were all consolidating that on on their channel. Is that is that what you understand I, I them think to do? I suspect they'll pull a lot of their backlog from other sources. Yeah, but I mean, just that the idea that they're going to have these not just one exclusive series, but that they're they're looking at I think four or five in like the next year. So, well, I, I think. Um, just based on the episode list that they're that they're rolling out for Titans, that they're using that as kind of one of those, almost like an arrow-like vehicle to put a variety of other uh, other characters out there. Like they've got the Doom Patrol in this, and that's a, that's kind of a a staple, like a longtime staple DC. It's mostly B-list heroes, but it's been around for a very long time. And you know, comic book people know Doom Patrol pretty good, uh, so they've got. I think they're going to use this as a way to try to introduce maybe other content for the for their uh, I guess their streaming service potentially. How far do you think this is going to go? Where you see different um, outlets kind of coming up with their own their own streaming service and pulling all the content from Netflix? Do you think this is going this, to hurt Netflix what, in the long run? This is what we asked for. I, I, bear in mind, like I remember for for a very long time where everyone would say, oh, why do I have to pay for 100 channels? I just want, like, these one or two. That's true. Why can't I get one channel? Now you can. He, he brings up a valid point. This is this is the future we asked for. Um, that being said, I, I suspect at some point it'll it'll actually start to actually fold back. And, and so what you'll see is, because, I mean, the thing is, is Netflix made sense to be a part of when it was, um, you know, when they were a publisher. That was a an avenue, or when they were an avenue that that companies could get their content out for money. But now Netflix is a studio, and Netflix is now the competition. And Netflix gives favored preference to its own products, and so they're Netflix is much less willing now that they have their own series. Is they're not willing to pay as well anymore for everybody else's content, and so Netflix will take it, but for pennies, and so. I think that that's very much a, a situation that Netflix has created for itself, where it is is become its own type of premium channel and is no longer a general general content provider in in the same sense that it was originally intended. Uh, I, I think you're. I, I I agree with parts of that. I would also say that Netflix is able to do what it's doing because most of what it produces on its own is better than what other people are producing. That's yeah. Sure, but I mean, uh, if, you wanna, statement. if you want, if you want your content to be out front, though, you need to have your own channel now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. But my point is, if I, I will not buy a channel for let's just call it, you know, fifteen bucks a month, you know, which I, I think is probably the median price range you're looking at for one of these. Uh not not anymore. CBS All Access is eight. DC Universe is eight. I, I okay. fifteen is when you're bundling. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pay a dime for a channel with one show that may or may not last more than one season. 
Yeah, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, I, could, I, I see where you're coming from, like, with Star Trek Discovery, because you, I mean, you are a, a, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big part of what you, what you enjoy is the Star Trek universe. So if, if there was something like that that was, that was out there that I, I felt that strongly about, I would probably go for that. But as much as I'm, I'm a big comic book nerd, I'm not getting a DC channel. Not until they actually have a track record of real content that's, that's not horrible. Yeah, well, and I think they're going to have to prove themselves. And and the other thing that they may do is, um, like I know Stargate has its subscription, and one of the things that they started to fold in this year, because they didn't have an exclusive series, but they started to add like, that you could access their comics through it. And I think that they're going to give you, I think DC Universe not just gets you TV, but it gets you access to a lot of the digital comic stuff too, if I remember correctly. Well, see, and that's what I'd be kind of interested in, because I, like, I have DC... Um, like I go through the DC comic book app store and I buy new digital content from them already, but I, I'm not like, I, I think anybody that's going to be the one-off provider, like if you're like discovery channel and you have like seven or eight sub channels that fall under your umbrella. And basically you could turn on a discovery channel, like a family of discovery channel stuff that falls under discovery and you could watch TV 24 seven, yeah, and probably not not see a rerun for a long time. That that is, I think, what people are really when they were saying, "Hey, I'd like to buy one channel." That's kind of what they're really meaning is they they would like to have a much more narrow band. Uh, but you're right. You know, we did say, "Hey, I just want to be able to basically do a la carte programming," uh, w- which which works. But unless there's a a, a really super high level of uh, content quality, I I, I think that that's a tough bridge to get there. I think they can get there. I think a lot of, a lot of places could get there, but I think it's a tough bridge to make. You know, I, I like I said, I'm not necessarily disagreeing that, that that's maybe where the end game is, but I think it's, it's very, you gotta be careful about being over simplistic about like how easy it is to do this. Well, so the other thing I think will probably happen too is, um, you know how, like one of the things is if you get, Comcast or a lot of services, they'll throw in like a free premium channel or something like that with a with your contract. I would be surprised if you start seeing some of these channels offered in bundles as well. You know, maybe maybe a couple of them will partner together and say, "Hey, you can get you know DC Universe and HBO Go for a little bit off and stuff like that." And it'll kind of, you know it'll kind of fold back into a new new bundling arrangement. You know, but it's built actually- on that streaming. Yeah, there's actually a, a, a model that is similar to that, Zell. Um, so I watch a lot of anime, um, and there's two kind of major players in anime. There's Funimation and there's Crunchyroll. And Crunchyroll gets, they are partnered together, and Crunchyroll gets the Japanese version, and then Funimation licenses through Crunchyroll typically, and then dubs it in English. Um, and so they kind of have this partnership going together. I subscribe to both, but they've actually kind of come up with this new third-party company called Verve, where it's it's both those companies, well as a couple of others like Rooster Teeth, some other some other web based you know content, um, and it's all in the same app. But if you have existing accounts um, on any of those, you can link them into the app, and if you have multiples of certain like bundles, you get a discount on it. So I can have my Crunchyroll account and my Funimation account because I, I like to watch some things in Japanese, some in English. And I get a discount on both of those by kind of linking them together in this bundled app. And it actually works really well. Um, the app itself is, it needs some work. It's a little, a little new, but the, the concept is actually really solid. So like, I'm going to have both of them and being able to kind of save on that bundle is, is really nice. And I, I, I could actually see this kind of working kind of like what Jay was saying before with, you know, discovery. It's not necessarily like a specific show or a cluster of shows, but it's kind of a general idea um, in being able to kind of group that together, I think it's going to go really well. And I can see it actually going more that direction where you're, you're kind of socketing, socketing in different, you know, streaming channels, so to speak. And that might come with a discount, um, or something like that. But I think that would actually work really well because right now getting them individually, um, after a while, it gets a little, a little rough on, on the wall. I mean, the a la carte is nice, but being able to kind of group them together would also be a really good model. I think people would react I'm, well to. I mean, I will say, I think there's some value into the fact that, you know, like, for example, for, for all access, I'm not a subscriber right now because it's because Discovery is off season. And so I'm only paying for it when I'm watching that series. And that has a very direct impact for these channels on 
they can immediately see how their shows are performing, how the how those shows are, you know, holding or not holding subscriptions. Um, and if they're not producing of quality or at, you know, a frequency that, that people enjoy, that they're going to leave. Yeah, it, it's an interesting space we're living in right now with all of this. And I'm, I'm curious to see kind of where all of this shifts and in, in based off of, you know, how people react and how they, you know, vote with their wallets, so to speak. So I'm, I'm curious to see these different models and, and what it kind of turns into in the long run. Okay, let's move along. Uh, so... Uh, Aladdin is getting a live action adaptation from Disney. Um, really short, I wouldn't call it a trailer, it's a teaser. Um, just a couple scenes kind of uh, from the, the visual style they're kind of going for. It's a live ha- action and you see one live actor. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of animals in that film, but I'm a huge fan of Aladdin. Like that was like one of my absolute favorite films as a as a kid. Um, so to see this is, is really exciting for me. Like the Jungle Book was, you know, I I had seen it as a kid, but it wasn't like you know that film you have as a kid. Um, but Aladdin was one of my one of my favorites. This one's really exciting for me. And I think it looks fantastic. What do you guys think? I haven't seen a lot of the live action remake it's stuff yet, so. They do pretty well from the sounds of it. So, you know, I, I, I trust them to, to do it well. I think the, the big one on a lot of people's minds is, is obviously Robin Williams was a huge part of the original film um, and kind of hoping they'll maybe do a little something for him because that was very iconic, I think. So I think that one, let me look at the release date. It's, it's next year. Let me check real quick here. Okay, so it's coming out on 5-24-2019. So it's, it's still a ways off, but you know, within, within shooting distance. So, you know, I'm hoping to see, you know, some more trailers, but like I said, this little minute and a half teaser was uh, really cool looking. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. So I know both of you are huge fans of the Iron Fist quality programming right there. Uh, you'll be sad to know that there will be no season three. Uh, so uh, I think you kind of brought this one to the table. It got canceled from the sounds of it. It is. It is no more. Season season three will not happen. They. This is the first uh, Defender series show that they're they're not renewing. Now, is his character going to persist in the universe? Because I know he's part of the Defenders, but is he going to keep going? Is just the show that's dead, or are they just cutting him out entirely? I wouldn't be surprised if they um they uh, keep Iron Fist in, like you know, to show up in Luke Cage and stuff like that, but. Yeah, no, I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, the first, I know the first season you guys weren't a huge fan of. Um, it got pretty luke- lukewarm reviews. And then my brother was saying that the second season was just really weird at the end. Um, he was not a fan either. So I think that that's kind of the general consensus. And Netflix is just kind of like, yep, we're done. It's not working out. So we're, we're going to have to pull the plug on this one. So that's a, it's a shame, you know. But, uh, you know, I don't think any of us are, are too shocked that it, it happened. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. It's, uh, I mean, season two is is better. I will, I can objectively say that. Um, it's it's still kind of hampered by a couple things. One, it's uh, it's it's a little bit a little bit kind of all over the place in some of the writing. I mean, they've, they've got some really good actors in there. Uh, like I said, Finn Jones, he's actually a pretty good actor, but he is not a good Iron Fist. Uh, and they've done some things in the characterization of the uh, of of where he fits in the world. They're kind of driven by how they did it and, and kind of uh, season one that they couldn't really get out of. So uh, I, this doesn't surprise me, but I, I, I would tend to agree with Zell that this is really going to, if you see him, it'll be in and out of other series, things like that. And I think that's actually not a bad way to go for some of these. It was probably good to introduce them um, in sort of like these kind of short bursts and really, that, that's kind of the, the beauty of these Netflix series. They're kind of not really designed to be um, like a, a TV, a classical TV series where, you know, they keep showing up in perpetuity. Uh, that they, they very much have encapsulated long-form storytelling. Now, in all fairness, they could probably shave about three episodes worth of time off each season, and it would probably be a much tighter story. But I kind of like their format. And... and I, I don't really view this as so much of as something got canceled. So so much as, hey, we we think we've done what we wanted to do with Iron Fist, and, or it's it's where we can take it. Uh, well, let's just move on to something else, which is is probably just fine. Um, I I 
they have kind of said that they're that they don't have plans for a uh, second run of the defenders, which I actually thought was really good. I, I thought that things like six episodes that was there the uh, the defenders kind of mini mini that they did. It was really good. I'm trying to remember if I finished it because I got kind of bored of it. I think I watched like six out of the eight episodes or something, and then I canceled Netflix. <laughs> no, I think it's a fair take, Jay. Um, you know, like you said, maybe it wasn't so much a cancel, just kind of like I think we're we're done. Like we've we've done what we wanted to do with it, but uh, you know. Hopefully they can kind of expand upon that universe anyways and and, uh, and continue with it. Well, for what it's worth, Daredevil looks like it's going to go, it's going to be really good. I mean, like from what I've seen so far, it, it's got the potential to be a killer, a killer season. So I think that, I think they know what works for them in that, in that kind of space and in the Netflix space. And I think they're, they're definitely going to kind of, you know, focus down on things that, that they like and that people respond well to. It'll be it'll be good to go. It'll be good to see. Now I think there is a lot of ways that they can expand their their Marvel Netflix offerings. I, I'm still absolutely um, stung by that whole Midnight Suns April Fools thing, but that that's a good example of a way that they could do this that would fit very well inside that sort of street level, you know, Marvel Marvel part of the universe. I think you don't really have to have big hooks to tie it into the MCU. As as much as I would like to see that in some ways, you don't necessarily need to do that. And I think that they could like peel in some different characters that, that would still keep it pretty fresh. Then again, using that Netflix kind of somewhere between six and 10 episodes, you could bring like almost like one shots and like just bring in a character for six episodes, see how it works out. I mean, that's kind of how they brought in the Punisher and that spun out into its own own season. And John Bernthal is, I mean, he's a really good Punisher. I mean, I was a little sketchy on him at first, but he's great in Daredevil, and season one of Punisher is pretty solid. Yep, it's pretty good stuff. All right, I want to kind of move along here to uh, some Star Citizen stuff, actually. There were some really cool trailers that came out, and since Zell is our, our expert, um, what, what, what was shown this week for Star Citizen? Um, so the probably the biggest thing is that they have a new... Um trailer for squadron 42 which is the uh which is not star citizen now and and part of the whole subject of the big lawsuit was that they have decided that uh, squadron 42 is a separate title um as a completely separate game but um that is the the single um the single player experience and so they they were uh they have like uh mark hamill and mark strong and a bunch of other people um Lots of famous people with lots of motion capture with very, very high quality cinematics in this trailer. And um, I, I, I felt a lot of Mass Effect style design in some of the, some of the, the areas and, and just the way that it was presented and looked. Lydia and I were kind of talking about the use of, of higher profile actors. As someone who's invested in this game, do you feel that that's a good use of resources to be hiring actors to do voiceovers and stuff rather than focusing on, you know, getting a game out. Well, it it depends what they're trying to trying to really develop. Like it, it feels like I, I Squadron 42, I believe is supposed to come out before Star Citizen is really quote unquote done. Um and and I th- and I think at least the claim has been that a lot of the the progress and development that they've put into has actually been in developing that not um you know and, and a lot of the star citizen content that's that's happened has come as it was ready for as it was needed for the single player game so this may be a very different experience and it may be it, it may be in a better shape than we've seen because they really haven't shown any of it yet or it could be you know as non-existent as anything else yeah it's just interesting like you know i I'm not embroiled in, in, in much of this. It's just that where the, where the money goes is always kind of interesting to me for how they choose to spend it. And I'm not the kind of person to sit there and, you know, gripe about where a company is spending its money. Once you pay them, it's kind of their money to spend. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting to see all these, these big names. I'm like, they're really focusing on that? Like, you know, it was just interesting. Well, and I mean, their big names are well-known. They've been in a lot of stuff. But I'll, I don't know how, like... It's not like we're we're talking the A list here, necessarily. Right, but I mean you they know? had that Mark Hamill one uh, a few months back, didn't they? Yeah, and and it's, he's in this one right too. Now. But I mean, you know, Mark Hamill has been in Star Wars, and and 
that's about it. Well, <laughs> he's, he's a pretty a pretty good voice actor. He's done he actually quite a few a good, things, and I, I like the guy. Don't get me wrong; he's fantastic. He's a good he's, voice actor, yeah. But I mean, that's not like that's not like what we're talking when we talk about like huge spending. I don't think yeah. I don't think Mark Hamill is the, is the most expensive person in the business. You could have. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so it's one of those things like you really got to hope that they, you know, with all the years of work that they've put into this, that you know, and they've said they've said you know we're not showing squadron 42 until we're we're really ready um the hope is that really that this is this is much further along and and that it should be good in theory well, i think it helps that it, it the concept behind it is fairly self-contained from my understanding it's not this crazy giant open world star citizen level thing it's it's a it's a dogfighter simulator right i mean that's kind of the the, the quick and dirty of it no i'm yeah and and it is a a straight out single player campaign. So. Oh, really? It's not even like competitive multiplayer. No, no. Squadron Forty Two is a single player campaign. It is a story mode, and, and so that should be. Um, I I think it has a a clear predefined story, so it probably has a um a fairly limited scope as to what they're trying to accomplish there for that. Gotcha. Are they going to be doing kind of the same treatment for, uh, was it uh, Star Marine? Is that the FPS module? Is that going to get a separate, it's like own, you know, a detached title, or is that just going to be no, a game mode? It's just a game mode right now. Gotcha. And I, th- I think that really that was assembled originally for the purposes of being able to kind of test the first person mechanics um, in a more concentrated environment than, uh, you know, in the open world. No, and that's fair. I mean, for some people, they want just that experience and, you know, all of the steps to get to a point where an encounter like that might happen is not exactly kind of the arcade FPS experience that people may want. Um, and some of the stuff they've shown for Star Marine is, is pretty solid. Like the zero gravity stuff is, is certainly um, more unique than you'll normally find in an FPS game. So, I mean, it's it's good that they're going to let people dive into just that rather than have it only be part of kind of the open world, um, uh, what's it called? Um, God, it's escaping me. But like when just, you know, that kind of combat might pop up. Um, right. Yeah. And and Star Marine does have a really good feel to it. I, I really did enjoy um, playing with it, you know, between the game crashing, because um, it's, you know, it's Star Citizen. Um, but, uh, and I could definitely see them building it up in the future. Um, but I, it's obviously it's not their focus, and uh, the last thing they need is more more ways to split their focus right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> yeah, I think scope creep has been uh, the name of the game, literally. Uh, four star citizen. Uh, it looks like there's two new ships coming out as well, a capital ship and a drop ship. Yeah. Um, I, so I think the Valkyrie was actually announced before. But um, the, so the big thing with these two is that, and they've done these in the past, and they're really cool. Is okay. they they do um, in-universe yeah, trailers. So these are these are like these videos are from the perspective of these are the manufacturers of these ships trying to sell them to you. How cool they are, and how important you know how much you'll accomplish your work with them or whatever. And so um, uh, the Kraken, which is their their new capital ship is uh from drake interplanetary and uh drake is uh an interesting company in in that it is it is subtly it it is subtly defined as catering to pirates um but you know they kind of they kind of push the you know so that you can defend yourself and protect your own business you know is kind of their selling point but they sell like you know basically pirate ships no, that's pretty cool. Their, their trailers are, or their their commercials, I'll say, are actually are pretty cool for these. So this capital ship is huge. How expensive is a capital ship typically to purchase in Star Citizen? Um, a lot of the capital ships have been in the multi thousand dollar range that they've done so far. I think this is probably similar to the Idris. If you look at um where those have priced out, um, and and there's been a couple price points that they've sold those at. But it's definitely going to be a few thousand dollars, and there's no way that I would ever buy one because that's obscene and ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it, and it looks uh, it's it's got a it's got a very aircraft carrier vibe. It's got a very uh, it's got a big flat deck on top, and and they show like four or five smaller ships 
landing on it. Yeah, no, it definitely looks cool. Um, and then the Valkyrie is a dropship. Is that the kind of thing you take from uh, space down to a surface of a planet? Is that what they mean by dropship? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's designed to carry like I think it it'll carry like some kind of land vehicles that they have, and then like up to twenty troops, and so that's kind of the goal there. Um, you know, who knows how this will actually fit into the overall gameplay experience? It's actually one of the things that kind of ticks me off is I guess this ship is supposed to be um, flyable in the most recent patch that's coming out. I actually bought their their first dropship that they uh, that they added to the game, and it's still not flyable like three years later. <laughs> and so, so, so they're releasing ships and making them flyable before actually finishing the ones they've sold prior. That is correct. What the hell? <laughs> okay. Is there any reason behind that? Or are they just kind of shrug? Uh, some of it I think is design challenges. And like, so like the one that I bought was part of like, uh, there was a community contest for community teams. Like, to develop their own ships and that one of the winner would be added to the game. And so and and so this is this is actually the winner of a community event. So it isn't one of their own design that I that is the dropship that I bought. And I think that uh and then one of the other things that's hit them is that uh they've moved their game their you know the target of what this game looks like and is supposed to feel like and and balance so many times during the development of the game that there's a lot of older concepts and older models that actually need a significant amount of rework and and so i think the challenge is, is like like with one of the ships that you know that i bought they don't they're you know the designer who originally came up with it doesn't work for them and they kind of have a lot to work to do to rebuild it and i i have a feeling at some point they're going to end up dropping some of these and go like you know pick out a comparable you know or something i don't know but i really like the one that i got and this one's kind of ugly but whatever yeah that's that doesn't the, surprise me that's very the money's different. gone now it's fine. yeah that's <laughs> I, I, eventually like, just go i don't even care about it anymore just give me something <laughs> that's the thing it's like i i'm really like yeah i've thrown more money than i should have at it but it's 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 like I, because i want it i want to see games like what it it is and maybe it'll work maybe it won't i threw my money towards it you know pans out it pans out if not you know i i i no longer i i don't feel like i'm betrayed because a game fails to live up to expectations yep we'll have to keep an eye on it and we'll continue to give you uh passive aggressive shit for it pretty much until the game comes out which will be roughly in 2036 or something until one of us dies. I think so, but 3019. Okay, that's right. Someone came from the future and was explaining that the game is entering a beta, um, Half-Life 5 is out, and, uh, you know, they're looking forward to eventually trying Star Citizen. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving along real quick here. So, uh, Bates not here, so I'll kind of speak in his behalf. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 finally got the final game size, like the disk space requirements. It is a whopping 88.57 gigabytes to install this game, which is interesting because it's coming out on PS4 and Xbox One, uh, as well as PC, I believe. To my understanding, a dual-layer Blu-ray, which is, I think, the biggest capacity like a PS4 can read, is only 50 gigabytes, which means that the game is actually larger than the disc. And I haven't heard any, any news about the game being on multiple discs. So I'm kind of curious how they're pulling this off. I'm, I'm wondering if like the first 50 gigs is like the single player and then the rest of it is the online portion and that gets downloaded once you connect to the internet. But it's it's interesting. I, games, and I was reading a cool article they're talking about kind of the future development for games and, and PlayStation 5 and, and that, that sort of thing and how it's becoming very difficult to even deal with physical medium anymore because 4K is kind of becoming the standard, which means everything is bigger textures, models. It all has to be, you know, a higher quality in order to, you know, look good in 4K. And they have to still put it on the same physical medium and they still have to load all of the stuff in a reasonable amount of time because people don't want to wait for loading screens. And how dealing with discs is actually becoming a real pain in the ass for developers. And it really does kind of make me wonder if we're going to, in this next generation, get away entirely from physical copies um, and go entirely to an online download system. Because, I mean, even with Red Dead 2 here, you know, you're seeing that the game is larger than can actually fit on a disc. 
which, you know, you could sell two discs, I guess, but I just don't see them going that route. You know, I mean, that's PlayStation 1 stuff, you know? You'd be surprised what you can compress. I suspect that it kind of unfolds a bit onto the, the PS4 to, uh, you know, it takes up more space because then it could load stuff faster than if it has to sit there and, and unpack it. Sure. Um, I think that's probably some degree. I'm sure that it'll have a day one patch because every game does these days. Um, but uh, yeah, no, there's there's actually, I guess the, the big discussion has been like, even as far as that at some point they may get rid of almost like most of the physical hardware like that and this is this is something i don't like as a as a as a pc gamer with my my gaming hardware but um you know a lot of people see streaming games as as really something that they they think is going to be feasible in the next generation or two um and so like one of the you know i they have already discussed that they are doing um there's been rumors that there's going to be another generation of playstation yet to come but but that there may not be one after that because they may just really just start streaming stuff. And you're speaking in the context of it's just streaming the visuals to you. It's not even like processing it, you know, on site. Yeah, no, like, like the, the um, if you've seen both, uh, so Google announced a project um, to do Assassin's Creed streaming entirely. Like the new Assassin's Creed is entirely streamable to a Chromebook with a beta that they have. Um, and then um, they have uh, then Microsoft within within like two days of that announcement. We're like, wait, wait, hold on. We have our own stream, you know, game streaming service project that we're working on too. And uh, so I think there's been a lot of suggestions that the, the game performance is getting to the point that what they can stream that they'll just you know here's your controller and your your little casting dongle and and you just subscribe to the service and sends all your commands over the internet to the game server and the game server sends back the screen yeah playstation's actually sort of played with this before um one of the features that the i'm not sure if the psp had it but i know the vita did where you could have your ps3 or ps4 at home and you would keep it kind of in standby mode and then you would link your vita to a wi-fi signal and it would basically able to turn on your ps4 remotely and you could have the ps4 play the game like it would do all of the, the the horsepower and then send all of the visuals to the vita and all of vita would send the commands to the ps4 and you could play playstation 4 games certain ones remotely on a vita with the ps4 doing all of the work um back home so i mean it's it's wasn't something the, they've toyed with before but it, it kind of worked you know wasn't the ps3 backwards compatibility thing that they initially launched to similar where they were like streaming ps3 games to the PS4. Uh, I think I think that was really like a technically a PS3 that had or, or maybe it was PS3 it was a PS3 that could backwards compatible with the PS2 but that was really a PS2 and a PS3 box with some extra hardware to let it play PS3 games. They only did like a short run of them. Um, I'm not sure if they did that for the PS4. I don't think there was any backwards compatibility there. I, um, but I, I have heard rumors of them doing it for the 5 though. Because I remember discussion of like people saying it was something that they launched for PS4, and then people were asking if Dust would join it because they wanted it. Oh yeah, you're thinking that's the that's the Go program, I think, and it, it was like streaming games, um, and they were hoping that they could have the PS3, sorry, Dust stream via the, like the PS3 remote emulator to the PS4. I think I never got into it because it was really pricey when it first came out, so I kind of stopped paying attention to it. But I think it was something like that. PlayStation Now. That's, that's it. That's the that's, one. That's the service. And yeah, um, and I think that that's where they they, they actually stream the games um, uh, to the PS4. Right. From, yeah, from no, an it's... online server that's actually running the game. You know, and I can I can see it. I mean, you see. Um, you know, remote technology is going crazy. Looking at like 5G now for, you know, cellular, where it's effectively normal wired internet speed and wirelessly, um, your house could just have an antenna to get 5G. The amount of data we can send now remotely, um, even wirelessly is, is insane. So, I mean, I, I don't think this is at all out of the realm of the possibility. I'd be kind of curious to see how it, it works, you know, on the financial side. Um, if it would still be a $60 game or if it's something you had to subscribe to to, to kind of have 
the connectivity running uh, month to month. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's interesting. I'm I'm really curious to see which direction they go with this in the future because things are really approaching that that crossroads. I think where it's gonna it's gonna see some big changes in how we do things. Okay, the last thing I had real quick, um, Project Nova News, kind of cool stuff. Um, we're going to get a video up about this as well, but uh, CCP has released the official schedule for eVegas. So this is kind of outlining uh, the events and when they're happening throughout the event coming uh, October 19th through the 21st. Good news is, and I, we, we kind of expected this, but it's kind of good to see the uh, confirmation that Project Nova is going to be featured at uh, eve vegas so on october 20th that is the saturday at 1400 pdt that is in one hour long keynote uh, featuring ccp Rotati as the speaker um, and then following that is going to be another one hour round table so at 1500 pdt on october 20th is the round table so you will most likely see the keynote streamed via CCP's uh, Twitch account. They, they're pretty good about that. Roundtables are really hit or miss if they stream or record that. Um, traditionally, they don't tend to stream them. They, they tend to keep them as kind of a, you have to be there to see it live. Um, but I am currently working with uh, people at CCP to see if Livy and I can get in there with a camera and record the roundtable. So we'll work on that. Um, no promises, but it's something we're working on. And we'll try to get that to you when we uh, are at the event. Awesome. Yeah, no, so that's pretty exciting. So yeah, we're, we're going to be flying out on the 18th. We're coming back on the 21st. Um, so we'll see, uh, you know, depending on what they announce, um, hopefully it's 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 good. Um, I, like I said, they dedicated an hour to the keynote, an hour to the roundtable. Um, who knows what that may entail? I'm not sure if we'll go as far as, you know, a release date or anything like that but as far as we know they're still holding true to having some sort of like early testing um sometime this year so we'll we'll see what they come up with um i'm you know fingers crossed like i said we're we're going to be there but we're going to have press passes and it should be good to kind of get in there and hopefully get some exclusive stuff for you guys so stay tuned um Libby and i will both be on our twitter accounts um Kind of giving a play-by-play a -play update on what's going on and we have got all of our equipment set up now to take that with us and be able to produce videos and put out content while we're actually at the event so should be good stay tuned to our youtube and our twitter and we'll keep you updated all right guys anything else before we go into shout outs take that as a no all right so my shout out i don't play Fortnite Battle Royale, but I was kind of flipping through the internet today and noticed that they have released some new Halloween skins for Battle Royale. These things are freaking awesome. They're really, really cool. They look like straight out of Bloodborne, which is like one of my favorite games ever. So if you are a, a fan of Fortnite or tangentially interested, uh, they're really cool outfits you can get. Um, so they're at least worth taking a look at. So those are pretty cool. So props to the art team over at Epic Games. All right, Zell, you are up. Oh, um, yes. So I found this online, and it's oh, it's it's so sad. I had to point it out. So um, if if you need like you know some some physical companionship, you can get there's you can't actually get this. It was an experiment, but somebody uh somebody at I think this was I think this was MIT put together like a a finger like a robotic finger that you could attach to your phone. And uh, one of the one of the, the gifs is with it like gently stroking the back of your hand while you're using your phone. Oh, it's it's Zell. It's crawling across the ground. That's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. This this is not a good thing. We're giving cell phones the ability to move around and potentially kill us. I mean, this it's, is really it's a, really it's creepy. a comfort phone. Oh, oh I, I could think of so many horrible things you could do with this. It is terrifying. Okay, I'm closing that. That's freaking me out. All right, Libby, you are up. Oh, goodness. Uh, so my shout out goes to, um, uh, I believe his name is Ben, Ben Magnum. That's his Twitter name. And he actually uh, was the creator of a ghost animated uh, music video series and a few other things. But they just finally put out their third video of the series called Hellbent. And I really recommend everyone to go and watch um ghost and then 
Freaking Out and then Hellbent. Uh, it's a really good animated series that they did to the music of Mystery Skulls. I don't know how many people know that band, um, but if anyone is interested in really good animated music, I would totally recommend that. And shout out to them for finally getting that out. It's been, I think, three years. <laughs> is he all associated with the band or is he just a fan? He is just a fan that made a video that went viral and he I don't think he even meant for it to be that popular. He just said, oh, I'll make a video to this. But they allowed him to keep going because it only brought uh, attention to the mu- their music. Yeah, no, I had never heard of them before, and I came across it because of you showing me the animation. And it's really cool to kind of see them use the songs and tell a story using the animation paired with the songs very well. It, it's, it's really fantastic stuff. I, I think it's, it's definitely worth a watch. We can get a link in the description if you guys want to take a look at it. All right, Jay, you are up. Okay. Uh, shout out will be to John Favreau, and it's pretty. It's pretty simple. I'm very excited to see uh, a little bit more coming out of them for the new Star Wars uh, episode, or not episode, excuse me, but the uh, Star Wars uh, TV show. I think, I think is going to be on their streaming service actually. Uh, and a callback to one of our earlier uh, segments of the show uh, called the Mandalorian. Uh, and it's going to take place out in the outskirts of the galaxy. Sort of definitely got an Old West kind of vibe to it, uh, following a uh, lone gunman uh, in Mandalorian armor. Not one of the Fets, apparently. Uh, that happens, the story happens just after Return of the Jedi and before um, The Force Awakens, is, is my understanding. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty interested in looking at it. They've got a pretty slick list of directors that are lined up for episodes to include Taika Waititi and a variety of other people, which I'm very fascinated to see. Favreau usually does really good work producing these kind of things. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm pretty on board for this right now. I haven't seen anything other than the initial still of the, of the lead character, uh, but just based on who's involved in it in terms of producing and directing, I'm, I'm on board. I think, I think this could, uh, has the potential to be pretty entertaining. All right. Good stuff. All right, guys, we are going to call this one a wrap. Um, Again, if you're interested in being on the show or have any topics you want us to cover, hit us up on plyomass.com. And like I said before, if you are interested in Project Nova, the Eve Vegas event is coming up this weekend, so pretty cool stuff. And uh, Livy and I will be there, so stay tuned to all of our social media, and we'll keep you updated. But that being said, we'll see you there, and have a good week. 